Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning. I'm Promise, and you're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, let's open up in prayer. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for coming into our midst and just allowing us to be slaves of you and giving us the choice to choose our masters. Master. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, amen. Good morning, everybody. And thank you for joining us on this podcast. So... We're glad to have you as we continue our study in the book of Romans. This morning we're going to go over this, the same scripture as we did the day before. So we're in chapter 6. And can I get a volunteer to read verses 14 through 23, please? I will. All right, Layla. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sins, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So, I wanted to open it up to each of you to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions you have so we can all continue to learn and grow in the Lord and in the things of the Lord together. All right. Okay. Who'd like to begin? I would. All right, Layla. Um, so I just kind of found this interesting, um, this section of writing that Paul is talking about, especially when it comes to uh, being a slave to sin or being a slave to righteousness and just um, kind of how it, it plays out, if you will, if you follow the destiny track of both decisions whether you choose to continue in sin or whether you choose to turn and live righteously what the ending result would be and it just kind of reminded me of um proverbs 3 and we read uh verses 5 through 8 and it says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And it was, it was, um, 
interesting that uh solomon king solomon he's the one that wrote proverbs he, he wrote that for our instruction and just the way that it was presented so it can come up as a question well how do you resist sin how do you even know what that is when we have the bible that tells us and delineates the things that are, constitute as unrighteousness or sin and dad you sim i like the way you simplified it you called it a breaking of faith with god that was basically what you could sum sin up to if you wanted to do in one condensed wham of a word that's the lord's perspective on it he makes that very clear it's right with moses absolutely and um how we serve him what that looks like and it i even had that question when i was younger uh when my mommy and dad would tell me serve the lord serve the lord um do the things he's asking you to do walk in the paths of righteousness and i remember sometimes when we had those conversations and i'm like what are you even talking about what does this path of righteousness look like how do i get this done and then i read proverbs and it said fear the lord and despise evil that's that's it that's the, the, the simple form of it fear the lord as in revere him respect him obey him <laughs> and shun evil don't even let it be a temptation like um mr dean you had said uh if somebody died and you placed their favorite meal at the gravesite they wouldn't eat it why because they have no appetite for it they don't have that desire and that craving for it i'm not tempted to drink a bottle of mustard when you put it in front of me on the placemat because i don't like mustard i don't have an appetite for it likewise you buffet your flesh you train yourself and keep your fleshly man your carnal man your mind your soul your will and emotions you keep that in check so that when uh, Satan wants to dangle the little carrot or bring that delicacy and wave it underneath your nose. You don't even have the appetite for it. It has no appeal. It's actually repugnant, like somebody putting um, feces on a plate and going, here's your dinner. Enjoy. And it's just the things that God does for us, how he lays it out in such an intricate way to follow him and he makes it easy to obey him and to see what it is he's talking about and doesn't leave us in the dark and just kind of reminded me of uh again of looking at myself and how sometimes when i gave instructions and i left it kind of um it wasn't complete and i didn't have all the pieces but then we look at god and he's got all the pieces and all the details and then you you simplify it and you really compare and you see that it's much easier much better and uh it's worth your time to be obedient to him and to submit yourself to his ruling versus trying to fight and uh scream and kick if you will and try to do your own thing and you see where it ends up yeah lately but you said um to shun evil right mm -hmm. and so um I think when you define evil as, um, well, let's just say we define evil as murder. It's easy to see that. It's easy to shun that because it's so blatant. But, um, and this may not equate to you, but maybe to most of the listeners, um, what about the guy who cuts you off in traffic that you got angry with, right? In fact, that you may have 
decided to pass and get back in front of and give them a brake check. Or you refused to let them in, even though everybody was merging one car at a time, but they stayed in the, the merge lane to the very end, and you felt like for some reason you didn't need to let them in, and you felt this emotion coming up in you that was anger, right? Mm-hmm. What, what did Christ compare that to? That's still murder. Yeah, yeah the Christ says it's considered it as murder, right, because it's, it's revealing what your heart is. And so well, I think we just need to be real. Shunning evil is extremely important, but it's not, as, it's not always as easy to identify. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and the enemy is crafty about how he gets us to take the bait. That's correct. Mm-hmm. We've said many times on this podcast, especially Kamisha, right? She says, the devil doesn't care if he gets it on a technicality. It's a matter of if he can get it or not. So we then need to be aware of what's going on around us and what we're saying and what we're yielding our body or our members to. Because it matters, right? Mm-hmm. So what else? What else were we going to say? That was it. Okay. Anyone else? Ah, uh, I'll go. All right, let's Charles. I found verse 19 interesting where he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. The first thing that I noticed when reading that is that Paul is saying that if you continue to do an action, you can't expect a different result. Like you're saying, that's the clinical definition of insanity. If you keep hitting your head against a wall, why do you expect that you're not going to have a headache in the morning? You're not going to get through the wall. Well, maybe you might, but... Maybe, maybe not. You say, if you don't want to get your head hurt, why do you keep doing that? You know it's going to result in your head being hurt, so you open the door. Paul is saying here is that if you continue to try to run down the sinful path, you can't expect to see yourself in heaven... And doing the right thing, he's saying that if you continue to walk down the path of sin, all you can expect to find is more sin. Like mommy says, it takes you further than you want to go. There's no, okay, the devil holds up his hands. That's far enough. You can't go any further. He wants to get you all the way. And then the second thing I noticed here is that Paul is saying that instead of trying to do that, do that for sin, he's saying use that same energy and enthusiasm for righteousness, meaning that, you want to continue running down the path no matter what's happening for righteousness and to do the will of the Father. Mm. But then that comes down to, uh, you have to reflect on your own life, right? What is the most important thing in your life? Right? Scripture tells us that where your, your treasure is, there your heart is also. So when it's something that we deem to be of value or importance in our lives... It is easy to do whatever it's required, regardless of how difficult it is, right? Yes. There's no obstacle that's too great. There's no mountain that's high enough, right? There's there's nothing that would prevent whoever, me, from doing the thing that I have set out to do, right? Because yes. I find it of value or importance as it pertains to me, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So much in the same way, if it's... Unfortunately, if it's sin, there's nothing that 
that will stop people from sin, right? Yes. And, and I say, I'm not contradicting scripture. The Lord always provides a way out of temptation. But this is when we have chosen opposition to the Lord, right? Or chosen the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, or the pride of life over the things of the Lord. So even though he provides the way out in the time of temptation, then we choose not to take it, right? It matters. It but, matters to the Lord. And so let's back up a little bit with the point that you brought up in that verse, right? Yes. So the weakness of flesh. Well, Paul begins this section, right? In verse, well, really in verse 15, talking about slaves of sin and being a slave to God, right? Yes. He begins it by asking the question, what then? Or questions, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace, right? And then what does he do? He begins actually reiterating something that he'd brought up just a few chapters before. That's in chapter 3. Really, verses 5 through nine right mm-hmm. um so i'll read that but if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of god what shall we say god is unjust to inflicts wrath i speak as a man certainly not for then how will god judge the world for if the truth of god has increased through my lie to his glory why am i also still judged as a sinner and why not say let us do evil that good may come as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Right? So Paul in this, in chapter 5, is kind of picking up on that, or continuing that thought. We'll say circles back to it, right? readdresses it saying hey look we're all under sin right however then in verse 16 right whom you present your do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one slaves whom you obey whether it's sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness and that is obedience to christ of course right Yes. And then when he gets down to the verse that you just brought up in verse 19, uh, what really fascinated me with that is he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Right? Yes. But let's also remember something. This is the identifying with Christ chapter. Right? It's typically known mm-hmm. as the identifying with Christ chapter. But who's his audience here? Romans. Right. Oh. No, a little, little background, a little context, history. Paul had not yet been to Rome. So he is writing this letter, this epistle, to send out prior to his arrival. And he's in this, of course, as the Lord, before they even know they had need of it, laying the groundwork, if you will, for the ministry and things that Paul was going to do in Rome. Okay? Okay. However, Rome, and as we know, right, they didn't 
serve God. They served many gods, false gods, right? Yes. Everyone has, has uh, studied Rome or heard of Rome is familiar with Roman mythology. We're not going to cover all that here because it's, it's n- we're talking about the Lord. All right. And that's what we're going to teach and minister is the Lord through his Holy Spirit. But everyone's familiar with pagan and paganistic thoughts and mythology and all these things that set themselves out against the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Does it remind you of anything else in scripture? Say like Hebrews and um, turn to Hebrews 5 and we're going to cover verses 12 through 14. Everybody there? Yes. Yes. He says, for though by this time, he's addressing the Hebrews now, all right? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Or an infant, right? But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. This is the beginning of of chapter 6, right? He's exhorting them to progress in the things of the Lord. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Right? For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of the of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the son of God and put him to an open shame so uh, I want to bring this up right because in our our discussion and talking about sin Paul is addressing two different groups there and we just pointed out right in the book of Romans he's addressing Romans people that were serving pagan gods. But in the book of Hebrews, he is addressing the Hebrews or the Jews. People that should have known. Right? Yes. But he's saying that right and we've we've brought this up in just this week and well between last week and this week in previous podcasts, right? As it pertains to sin. And and as we just pointed out in chapter three, right? Mm-hmm. All are under sin. But those that have faith and believe in Christ are set free from sin and the law of sin and death. Right? Yes. So as as scripture tells us, don't grow weary in doing good. Right? Yes. yes. But keep pursuing Christ. He, again, right? This is just another example. Addresses 
everyone is on an equal playing field with Christ. He's no respecter of persons. It's not just because you're a Jew or just because you're a Gentile that you are either for the Lord or against the Lord. The Lord knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He knows that are those that are his. Jesus was sent, as we pointed out, sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But not everybody believed him. Not everybody followed him. Right? Yes. yes. Okay. And he also said, I have sheep that are mine that are not of this fold. In other words, not of this this place. These this group of people, right? Yes. Okay. So I want to encourage people in these two things. One, if you choose to believe on the Lord and exercise that faith by confessing, by repenting and confessing that Jesus is Lord and allow him to be in his rightful place, which is Lord and Savior of your life, then he will do so. Right? And yes. he will wipe away your sin, cleanse you, wipe away your sin, throw it in the sea of forgetfulness, and you will be a new creature. It's not just for Jews, it's not just for Greeks, not just for Gentiles. Right? Yes. He is Lord of all. That is both. That is all. Everyone. Yes? Yes. yes. Okay. And, but in, as a result, we don't have to be slaves to sin. We can all be bond servants of Christ. It wasn't just for Paul, and it wasn't just for the apostles. We all have that opportunity, if we so choose it, to be a bond servant of Christ. Right? And that's what he says, and not, not that part, but that we are free, right? In verses 22 and 23. But now, having been set free from sin, become slaves to God. Right? I encourage you, become a slave to God. You have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. And then he again reminds us, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This matters. For all eternity it matters. The choices, the decisions we make. Sin, right, separates us from God. It is a breaking of faith, as, as right, Layla pointed out. So it is a breaking of faith, but it also goes to or demonstrates a lack of love or reverence for the Lord. And yes, there are consequences to that. And we are also under grace, right? And that's yes. even stated within here, right? We are not under law, but under grace. And the Lord has given us that grace that we can repent. We can just come before the Lord. We can repent. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to choose that. Yeah, I know I talked about this recently, but I want to kind of 
revisit it here in the context of this conversation. All right, brother. Um, you know, our, our friend Mike, and he talks about your personal liturgy, right? How have you structured your life out <clears throat> as a way of worshiping God? What are you doing to bring that about? Um, and Le Charles, I think it was something that you said that made me think about this. But, you know, like if I'm, if I'm trying to keep a life free from sin, um, back to needing people in my life to help me do that. I'm not supposed to do it by myself. And the enemy would love to keep me in bondage thinking that uh, because not only am I not supposed to do it by myself, I wasn't designed to do it by myself. So if I try to do it by myself, I will fail. So then I find myself in failure and the enemy uses that to condemn me, to keep me in failure, to keep me separated, to keep me by myself. So it continues in that process. Promise Keepers had a really good example of talking about how they said that every man, and this could apply to a woman, but it's just it's easier for me as a man to explain it as a man. He said, you should have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. You should have a Paul in your life that's somebody that's more spiritually mature than you, who can guide you and direct you. You should have a Timothy in your life that's somebody that you are more spiritually mature than, and you're bringing them along in the faith. But the Barnabas is the key one. The Barnabas is the one that you spend a lot of time with who knows you intimately and in some ways may know you better than you know yourself. As an example, they would use, say the two of you are walking along the street. And an attractive woman is walking towards you. You obviously can't not see her. She is in your vision. You're walking. You don't want to walk off the curb or fall flat on your face. But once she's out of your peripheral vision, out of your purview of where she's no longer avoidable, you should be avoiding that. So you're walking along with your Barnabas. And as she walks by, you continue to turn your head to continue to look. Your Barnabas elbows you in the side and says, uh-uh. We don't do that, brother, and helps keep us along and brings us into check with that. So we need that. But we also have to be really honest with ourselves. This week, I was talking with someone, and he was commenting about how excited he was to be officially engaged to this woman that he had uh, been in a relationship with for quite some time and how they had a little struggle over minor stuff and um he made the comment she's still upset that i keep my phone on lock and i said hmm i suggest that you probably used to be a player didn't you and by player i mean somebody that ran the street and had multiple relationships physical relationships with multiple women and he says yes i did i said um you're excited about this relationship with this woman aren't you he goes yes i am i said sounds to me like you haven't really let go of that old lifestyle. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, if you let go of that lifestyle, then you wouldn't need to have your phone protected because it would never be anything that you did with that phone that she couldn't see. I said, sounds to me like you haven't fully committed so that if, if you structure yourself where your phone is never locked and she knows she can always see your phone, if the opportunity to sin presents itself, you've also structured your life in such a manner that you're going to be wary of moving in that decision because you know you would be found out and there's nothing wrong with putting that in structure in place that way i said but also be honest with yourself maybe you really haven't made a full commitment to her that you want to be with her and her alone and what you're actually missing out in that is the a depth of relationship that you've never ever experienced with any other woman before because you've always held on to this what if another one wants to come in and he was like wow i hadn't thought about that i, I guess i need to unlock my phone and then as he thought about it more, he goes, hmm, I'm not sure I have made that commitment. And it caused him to reflect upon himself 
So you had to really think about what his true commitments were. That's our liturgy of our life. Are we structuring our lives where it makes it more difficult to sin? Do we have relationships mm. that are going to call us out when we start to step in that direction of sin before we ever have a chance to fully enter into it? And those are really important things. As, as, so it's, as we talk about the scripture, you know, we, John, you and I talk about all the time, how do we live it out? Right? Mm -hmm. We got to live it out. So it's great to know it, but you got to put it in action and live it out. And that key part about community and relationships in doing that is so crucial. I'll just probably keep beating that drum. Relationships are absolutely crucial. And that it is good to have a structure like that in place. All right. But let's not stop there. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, yeah, yeah. Just bring it We're going to continue. Yeah. Yep. We're yeah. going to. That's a good starting point. For natural means, right? But what happens when we don't have or we're not immediately surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ that can point us in the right direction or say, hey, no, don't do that, all right? <clears throat> and I ask because right, our pattern example and who we're always going to point to here is Jesus, all right? Who did Jesus have? What Paul or Timothy or Barnabas did Jesus have that would hold him in check? Nobody. No natural person. He had himself, his relationship with the Father, and the Holy Spirit speaking and ministering and working through him. And so while those are good things, brother, and they're, they're, it's a good natural setup, and we should still employ that setup in our lives, let's not stop there. We should have a relationship that is, and I love how you brought this up, are we truly committed, right? Have we truly committed? And, and by that, I don't mean to our, our friends and our neighbors and our, have we truly committed to the Lord, to the Father, in all things? Because if we have, well, guess what? We have the same Holy Spirit that Christ has and had in his earthly ministry. And and Moses and right all the apostles it's there's one holy spirit and we all have the same one who right Jesus said he will never leave us or forsake us so he and he also said if you abide in me and my words abide in you not just about asking whatever we wish but he said that he and the father will abide in us live and dwell in us and same with the holy spirit and he says that he will live in us he will dwell in us that his hand is upon us right yes okay so if we have truly committed then as soon as we even think that we're going to have that conviction from the holy spirit no that's not right that's not of me and i would encourage people to repent immediately to bring that before the lord and not let that seed hit the ground and then be watered and fester and and result in sin that separates us from the Lord. But bring it before him immediately. Deal with it in our lives immediately. Right? Yes. And and I love the example you gave, right? There's, there's also an example like that with Christ. The woman caught in adultery. There is our Lord and Savior ministering to a while it doesn't state it specifically, but if this woman is caught in the act of adultery and she's running because people are trying to stone her to death, I, I don't think grabbing clothes is a high priority for her. 
So it is highly probable that this woman was completely naked in the middle of the street. And there is our Lord and Savior ministering to her and not sinning. He was focused on ministering to her needs. And again, taking away sin, giving her the opportunity to repent. All right? Mm-hmm. It's also look, back to the garden. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed before our Lord and Savior. And that's how we all should live before him. But it comes down to, are we truly committed to him in our own lives? Because if I'm truly committed to my Lord and Savior, to my spouse, to my family, then I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize that relationship. I would cause strain or stress or pressure or between me and, well, first and foremost, our Lord and Savior, right? I only want it, and Jesus had this same mindset, I only do the things that are pleasing to him, right? And his delight was in the law of the Lord. In other words, the law of the Lord, to do his, the Father's will, as he said, as the Father said, and as the Father did, that's what Jesus did. That's why he was the unblemished sacrificial lamb. You know, John, as you talk about these things, just talk about delighting in the Lord and talk about Amen. Obe- being obedient, and we talk about <clears throat> being transparent, and we talk about uh, the way that we structure our lives, um, being totally transparent. You know, I, I just love you in Kamisha. And thank you for inviting me and including me as part of this ministry and part of these podcasts. Uh, so um, I know that this is not an area where you're as comfortable with, um, as that is just reminding our listeners that they can give to the ministry because it's so important to you that God guide and direct. Amen. And that you live a life of transparency, that you're wholly dependent upon him for all of your needs and the needs of this ministry. And so... Um, Letting listeners know there's an opportunity to give uh, is not one of your strong suits because you don't want it to contradict with that. So I, I would take this moment just to remind the listeners that uh, this ministry uh, does exist because of giving. And obviously the, the Holy Spirit pro, you know, and God provides everything that is needed. Amen. But if, if you are listening to God and he's directing you, great. If he's not, that's okay as well, too. We would just ask you to seek the Lord in that. And if you see that there's a way that God is leading you to be involved in this ministry, whether it's your checkbook, whether it's your time, whether it's your feedback, whether it's your prayers, whatever it is, it is certainly welcomed. And we certainly trust God to to guide and direct you in that. We would never ask uh, in any way that would make it seem like we're trying to coerce you another. We would encourage you deeply to listen to what the Lord has to say to you. And you can give through the ministry uh, at going to the website at adayofprayer.org. And you can email us to communicate and talk with us at adayofprayer at yahoo.com. We really love to hear feedback. Um, We really would uh, certainly uh, be uh, blessed by the support that you may offer in whatever level. And we certainly trust God to guide and direct you in the way that that would be done. And we would never want to send any kind of message other than that's what it is. So. Um, we thank you for that. We thank you for listening, and we appreciate all the listeners in that. Amen. Thank you, brother. And um, yes, it's all about relationships. And we just ask the Lord to bless each and every one of you. And and to tie it all in with what we've been discussing, just bring it before the Lord. If there's a question, or there's something you're not sure of, 
Let's ask him. Let's get his his perspective on it, right? Uh, Layla, you brought up about breaking the faith, right? Well, that wasn't my perspective. That was the Lord's perspective. That's what he taught, you know, Kamisha and I. His perspective on what that is, which is sin, right? Mm-hmm. Disobedience, idolatry, serving other God. It's a breaking of faith with the Lord. But we don't have to remain there, right? We can bring it before him. And he will cleanse us like it never happened. You'll throw it, what we did, our sin, in the sea of forgetfulness. And he will, he has his Holy Spirit who he sent to guide us, to lead us, and to convict us when what we're doing is, is not in alignment with him. All right? So we all have that opportunity. Let's ask him. And then let's say what he says to say and do what he says to do in our lives in every area and aspect. Because that's the pattern and example set forth in his son, Jesus, right? The Christ, the Messiah, for all of us to follow. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, um, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer so we can give the, the people time to seek the Lord and let the Holy Spirit minister to them? All right? Okay. I will. All right, I promise. Lord, just thank you for today. Just thank you for placing people inside our life, life that can help us and that can keep us accountable. Lord, I also just thank you for coming into the midst and not just not leaving men away, but staying in there completely. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.